Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. All right, you made me do it, so here it comes. I double-dog dare you to believe. Ooh, he played the double-dog card, that's right. Look, if what is going on in your life right now is so wonderful, is so great, is absolutely just rainbows and unicorns, fantastic. But you know, for most of us, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and every day is just a grind when you're drinking and you have no hope. So in this week's episode, Joe and Charlie tell us what may happen if you dare to believe if you let something take a hold that you don't really think you could ever have done and see if maybe, just maybe, that belief can grow into faith and that faith can grow into relief. And the book says belief is all I need. Now, if I'm an agnostic, I already believe. If I'm an atheist, I can become willing to believe. And the book says that's all we need in order to start this thing. Later on, we're going to have faith. But in the beginning, the best thing we can possibly do is to have belief. Let me give you an example of the difference between the two. Let's say I moved into this community, and a month or two later, I have trouble with my automobile. Now, I don't know a good mechanic anywhere in this community. So I might turn to you and say, Carl, could you give me the name of a good mechanic? And Carl might say, well, sure, take it over there to John. John is a good mechanic. He'll do you a good job, and he'll charge you a reasonable price. Well, I don't know whether that's the truth or not. The best I can possibly do with that information is if I believe it strong enough, I'll take my car over there to John. And let's say John does me a good job, charges me a reasonable price, and I'm perfectly satisfied with it. Now, six months from now, I have trouble with my automobile. I don't ask Carl or anybody else where to take it. I take it right back to John. Now, the first time I took it on belief, the second time I took it on faith. And there's a big difference between belief and faith. And those of us who are powerless and have never had this power in our lives, the best we can possibly do in the beginning is just to believe. We don't know. Step two does not say we came to know that a power greater than us, the other pure. It says we came to believe. Now, later on, we're going to know. But in the beginning, the best we can do is to believe. Also, you'll notice this time that the asterisk is used in connection with the wonderfully effective spiritual structure. So the spiritual experience, the spiritual awakening, the wonderfully effective spiritual structure that we're building, this thing that we're going to walk through to freedom later on. The cornerstone of it is this one simple little idea. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe? The foundation was step one, willingness. The cornerstone is step two, believing or becoming willing to believe. And if I can say that I believe or that I'm willing to believe, then I'm already building the spiritual structure. We do not have to wait to step 12 to get something out of this. We're going to build the structure step by step as we go through the program. We laid the foundation in one, willingness. 
Now we put the cornerstone in in step two, believing later on we're going to put more stones in place, and later on he'll tell us exactly what it is. And it was a relief for me to know that all I've got to do is to believe in order to start the finding of the power. Because you see, I thought I had to have faith. I found out that isn't true. All I've got to do is believe, and that starts me on the road. Now let's see what we can do based upon belief. Let's go over to page 51. <clears throat> you know, when I went to that preacher that time and I told him that I about my problems, and he gave me a, a, a prescription to follow, and he said, you must believe and have faith in these things. The reason I couldn't do what he asked me to do is because I didn't even believe them. See, if you don't believe, you can't have faith in nothing. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't have faith or belief in anything other than myself. Because many, many years ago, I said, I don't need God, I don't need nothing, and I don't need anybody. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I made it that way. Totally self-sufficient. And I almost that almost killed me. So when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was thankful that I could start with belief. If you don't believe, believe that we believe, they said, the fellowship said. If you don't believe, at least believe that we believe. And I was able to believe through the people, the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's one of the things the fellowship can do, is support someone who does not believe, so that I can come to believe. And then I too can take these steps, and I too can have the spiritual experiences I've had. And today I don't not only believe, I have faith in this way of life because I know that I know that I know out of experience, you see. But it started way back then with just belief, not faith, but just belief. Now Bill's going to give us an example or two of what we can do in the material world based on just belief. He said, this world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history, history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's mind were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Now we stop and we think about this for a moment. Just about everything you and I use in the material world today has really been invented within the last 100 years. Basically, our automobiles, our airplanes, our microwave ovens, our television sets, our hair dryers, our computers, and we just named thousands of items that have all been invented within the last 100 years. Now, I used to think the reason we invented them in the last 100 years is because we're smarter than people that lived 2,000 years ago. But the ones that really study ancient history say, no, this isn't true, that the intellect of people a couple thousand years ago was just as good as it is today. Well, now, if that's true, then why did they not invent these things? The same material, the same everything's always been there. And those that study ancient history say it's very simple. The reason they didn't invent them is because superstition, tradition, and fixed ideas kept them from changing their belief. And the only way you can bring up anything new is to change your belief. And you know, a couple thousand years ago, if you dared to believe differently, 
you got in very, very serious difficulty. Can't you just see somebody 2,000 years ago walking down the road, box in their, in their hand, a hole cut in the front of it, wires hanging out of it? Somebody said, what do you got there? Well, I've got a television set. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to take it home, and I'm going to get pictures and hear words from the other side. Hell, they'd have killed him before he ever got home. <laughs> no, it wasn't too many years ago that here in our country, a little further northeast than here, we were burning people at the stake. And we burned them at the stake because they dared to believe differently than the rest of us, and we called them witches, and we killed them. Well, now, if you're going to get killed for believing differently, then you're not going to believe different. And if you do believe different, you're going to keep your mouth shut about it. You're not going to act on it. <laughs> and the only way you ever change anything is to believe different. The reason that we put somebody on the moon is somebody dared to believe that that could be done. Now, they didn't know that could be done, but they dared to believe it could be done. He says, even the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Now, just about 500 years ago, practically all of what they called the civilized world then was around the Mediterranean Sea and on the east or western shores of Europe. And they had found a place called the East Indies. And the East Indies, they had gold, silk, and spices and lots of goody-goodies. Now, the only problem with the East Indies is it was a long way off, and the only way they could get there was to sail to the east end of the Mediterranean and then go by land, and the trip literally took years. And they were trying to find a new trade route to the East Indies so they could get there, get the goodies, and get them back faster. And somebody said, is there any possibility that we could sail a ship to the East Indies? And they said, well, no, idiot, you know you can't do that. The only thing you can do is sail to the east end of the Mediterranean and go by land. And they said, well, couldn't we sail in the other direction? And they said, no, no. Hell, if you sail in the other direction, you're going to sail right off the edge of this sucker. Don't you know that the world is flat? And you sail out there, you sail off the edge of it. No, I don't know why they believed that. Apparently somebody sailed out there, didn't come back. They assumed they sailed off the edge of it, and everybody was stuck believing that the world is flat. But here come Columbus, and we are absolutely convinced that Columbus had to be alcoholic. <laughs> You've got to be tough, stubborn, bull-headed to believe differently than all the rest of the world and be willing to express your belief. And Columbus was willing to say, I don't believe this sucker's flat. He said, I believe that it is round. And then he made one of the most drunk statements the world's ever heard. He said, I believe we can get east by sailing west. Now, if that's not alcoholic thinking, I don't know what is. And all of his mannerisms showed that he was alcoholic. When he left, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he got back, he didn't know where he'd been. But what really made him alcoholic is a woman financed the whole trip for him. <laughs> One of the really enjoyable parts about doing this podcast is that I get to hear the stories from Joe and Charlie every week, and I like this episode because it puts both of them highlighting different stories about the same idea of turning belief into faith. Now, while... It's a great story of, of finding a mechanic, and that probably is true. You could uh, insert plumber here and insert doctor, uh, dentist, anything into finding someone new. I think 
This week, Charlie wins with his story of Christopher Columbus. Because what better way to showcase that fine line between alcoholic insanity and absolute obsession and genius of discovering a whole new world? Of getting someone that probably doesn't know you, doesn't like you, to finance it. To make people get on a boat and face their worst fears. That sounds like Tuesday night in the church basement. I see it every week. I see the fear, the relief, the happiness, the loss. Because we're all in this together. And we all need to have just that little bit of belief. So that the faith has a chance to grow in all of us. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.